We're going to come to our, our reading from God's Word now. Again, we're carrying on through Revelation. Uh, we've, uh, we're nearly at the end. Uh, but some very famous verses now from Revelation chapter 21. Let's listen to his words to us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Amen. Uh, Now, three of the phone company uh, had an advert I saw recently that said this. It said, three customers are living their best life. Now, as the person pointed out, that's, uh, who, who pointed the advert out to me said, well, that's not, not very many. Um, but it's an extraordinary claim uh, to say they are living their best life. Get the internet sorted and you will have the best life. So it's quite a claim. Now, it seems to be avoiding uh, many things about life, many things that aren't the best. Because I wonder if this time we're actually living in at the moment is a... It's actually a time of longing for us. We long, we long for rescue, don't we? We long for rescue from our bodies that uh, fail and, and wither. We, we uh, long for rescue perhaps from relationships that we're struggling in. We, we long for rescue even from ourselves. Perhaps we also are longing for permanence. I wonder if that's part of the, the issue with addiction. When something good comes along, it, it just seems to disappear and we want it again and again like a, like a good sunset. You know that moment when you just look out and you see its beauty, but then night always comes. We have to go home. We long for some kind of permanence and we long for peace as well, don't we? We long for peace inside, whether it's the turmoil of our minds and our hearts and peace outside of us in the world. It's a time of restlessness. It's also, I wonder, a time of frustration, perhaps in our spiritual lives. You know, we we have amazing things, don't we? We can pray. Our experience of church, our knowledge of God, they're wonderful. And yet sometimes they can feel so short-lived. We can feel like we're paddling in the edge of an ocean that's stretched before us and we're just in the shallows. Perhaps this time that we're in now is a time not of our best life, but a time for tears 
because we know something's not right. Our longings don't find rest. Our, our, our things frustrate. Something is out of place. And John, in this passage, shows us the problem. Shows us what's out of place. Do you notice verse 1? What's passed away? The, old, the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. Now, he's not talking about the crashing waves. He, the sea is a symbol of what's evil and, and chaotic in our world. That's out of place. Also, if you notice in verse 4, what's disappearing again? It's, it's tears, it's death, it's mourning, it's crying, it's pain. Now, he's not being a downer. He's highlighting what's wrong with our world. What's out of place here? And I think COVID really brought this home to us, especially I think last year, because it brought uncertainty to us like we'd never seen before. It brought fear perhaps into our hearts. It brought death close to our doors. It didn't fit the plan of our world, did it? It jolted us to actually see what kind of world we're living in, where things are out of place. And you can see that with the response our society has just tried its hardest. There was talk of eliminating this disease. I think the talk has become less like that now. But they, there was a realization, this is out of place. In a sense, there was a dis-ease with the disease. Now, there's different ways of dealing with this kind of feeling, isn't there? We can think, actually, that there is some kind of rescue, and it, but it's here and now. I just need more. I just need better. I just need better stuff. I need better science. I need better health. Uh, or a better partner, or a better job, that, that will provide me rescue. Or perhaps we think, actually, there is there's just no rescue. There's no such thing. These longings that we have, I don't know, they're just some kind of evolutionary uh, mistake, or perhaps, I don't know, they're just childish. We've just got to kind of get on and make the best of what we have. But we know, don't we, both of those don't sit right. One is saying home is here, and yet there's so much out of place. And the other is saying there is no such thing as home. And both will drastically change how we live in this world. So how do we piece all this together? How do we make sense of it all so we can live rightly? Where is our home? Well, there's good news in our passage this morning. It is showing us, God is showing us where our home really is. And the first thing uh, that this highlights is that the old is passing away. The old is passing away. Did you notice that verse 1? For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Again, verse 4. For the former things have passed away. This, this kind of life we're in is actually temporary. It's temporary. Everything out of place will go. There's an end to this world, this kind of existence. This is glorious good news for us this morning. Because both our experiences of, of what's wrong, death, no more death, pain, crying, mourning, those deep things will go. But also, because those things are going, the causes must be going too. When you think about it, all of those are linked to sin. Now, not, not necessarily directly. I don't, I don't necessarily have a pain in my leg because I've done a particular sin. But everything is linked. 
to, to sin as its great cause. So even sin will have gone. Even sin will have been dredged out and burnt away. It will pass away. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? It began in him and it will be finished by him. Do you remember what we saw last week? The death of death. Yes, we're frustrated now. Yes, there's a restlessness. Yes, life is hard with its challenges. But it's temporary. It's temporary. It means we're in a temporary home. Think of it a little bit like we're in a travel lodge or we're staying in a motel. You know, you're on a, a long car journey trying to get home. And uh, you've still got a long way to go. Uh, you pull off the side of the motorway uh, and... and, and and stop to rest. You get, I don't know, a cheap meal and kind of in the restaurant at the bottom. But you, you don't unload at that point your whole car and perhaps the van that's with you. Okay, you, you don't wake up and start putting up the pictures in your motel, changing the sheets, bringing your own towels in. No, what do we do? We wake up longing to get to our final destination. As you drive away, you don't look back and kind of wish you were still at the motel. No, it's gone. It was only ever meant to be a temporary spot because there's a destination. So this life, this life we live that is uh, tempered by hardship is temporary. I don't know what perhaps uh, you are experiencing at the moment, whether it's deep struggles mentally with your mental health, whether it's a deep pain of the loss of a loved one, physical pain that won't go away. Now, in the moment, these things feel like they last, don't they? They feel like they last forever. Um, There's a band that I I like called Elbow, and they they sing a song called The Night Will Always Win. It's that, uh, they, they sing this, the night has darkness on its side. And the song is about, at nighttime, the grief just always feel like it is too big. The night always wins. It can feel long. It feels like it always goes on. But here the psalmist that we started this service with. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. On those beautiful words. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Now that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean that we don't try to alleviate pain and suffering, but it puts hope into our bones, doesn't it? It gives us strength to get up the next day, knowing we are one day closer to that end. Each day past is one day less for endurance. And and it means we, we don't have to drown our sorrows in alcohol. We don't have to entertain our sorrows to death. We don't have to be full of self-pity. No, because we know the old is passing away. The motel is not the mansion. God has set an end. This also means, uh, from verse 8, it's not everyone will be there. Not everyone will experience this. Those who've chosen lives opposite of God's ways. They've loved the old. Rather than eternal life, they will experience eternal punishment. Why? Because the old is passing away. It's only those who are made new with new hearts. Only those found in Christ, righteous, made beautiful by him, who are made new by him will be there. Now this this ending 
the end passing away. It's not just nihilistic. Okay, it's not just an end into some kind of oblivion. Because present, the present will pass away into something new, a new one, a new creation. See that verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 5, and he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. There is something distinct and glorious about this new creation. Because those things out of place have gone. This is a place of life. A place of peace. There's no sea anymore. This is a place of holiness. It's the holy city. A place of beauty. A bride adorned is the picture. And it's a place of permanence. It's the eternal life. As uh, Eugene Peterson said, it's not an ending as we might expect, but a fresh beginning. It's new. But it's also important to say it's not a creation all over again. This isn't... You know, God's first creation failed, so he kind of gets rid of that one and and starts a new one. No, there's continuity. Did you notice it's a new Jerusalem? The old city made new. God says, uh, I'm making all things new, not making new things. Just think of Jesus' body. Jesus resurrected He had a a new body, a a new kind of existence, but he was still Jesus. People still recognized him. And and this means we're not trying to escape earth to heaven. But did you notice heaven is coming down to earth? This means we're not trying to escape being uh, flesh and bones. We're not trying to escape our creatureliness, being finite to become this kind of floating eternal spirit in the ether. No, it's our body and soul made new. I suppose that's a, a little problem with the motel metaphor. Perhaps, perhaps the motel gets a, a whole new renovation, in a sense, turned into the mansion. But the new is coming. It's a shift. Perhaps think of it a shift from 2D to 3D. A shift from, I don't know, reading about beautiful smells, like the smell of cut grass, to actually smelling them. From a place of longing and restlessness to experiencing what we're waiting for. And this isn't an an empty wilderness. You know, it's not like a a David Attenborough documentary when there's not a human in sight. No, you notice it's a new Eve. It's a bride. It's a new city. The church will be there. God's people will be there. We will be together. It's not a hermitage. It's a city. It's the church that the present world will pass away into a new one. Glorious, and this means this world is not it. Things uh, that are good, that we experience that are good now, that they can't be the new resurrection, the new glorious creation that we long for. However hard we try, we won't find the new in our experiences here. I think we, f- we find that in our culture is searching for those experiences, whether it's uh, through pleasure, but also through identity. I saw recently a, a tragic interview with a, m- a man called Ollie London. He's had 18 surgeries recently to look Korean. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not discussing the issue of Korean, uh, of, of racial identity. But what's intriguing, he's had 18 surgeries 
And he admitted on this interview he's already thinking about the next, in, uh, next surgeries to change how he looks. And he said this, it's kind of never-ending, I get temporary happiness. Isn't that sad? He knows it. He knows that this isn't going to fulfill, but he just keeps going, keeps changing his identity, keeps changing how he looks. Because we don't find the new here. And I think as Christians, we do exactly the same. We can lay up treasures on earth. We can think we're going to bring the new. Just think of how you're thinking about your, your holiday this summer. Or, or your marriage. Or, or kids, the next toys you want. Do you think they're going to be, it's going to be perfect? This is the one that's going to bring lasting joy. I wonder if a, a, a sign of when this um, is in our hearts is when it goes wrong. What happens when the holiday ends? Does, does anger bubble up? I wonder if for me this is just wanting rest, a good sleep. Uh, you know, and, and when it's disturbed, anger can rise up in me. Like, like an extra 10 minutes It is going to make my life complete somehow. It's not, is it? In a sense, with that motel metaphor, the mansion is to come. So don't keep moving around from room to room, hoping it will one day feel like home. And knowing this really helps us uh, with what is good in this world. Tim Keller, um, the the pastor in New York, at the moment he's he's got pancreatic cancer and is, I think, but you're going to be on treatment now for the rest of his life. But uh, reflecting on this in a recent podcast, he said this, the more we make heaven into the real heaven, the more this world becomes something we actually enjoy for its own sake, instead of trying to make it give us more than it really can. That's wisdom, isn't it? So a happy moment with your children, a a, a pleasant evening with friends. They are wonderful things, aren't they? But we don't have to make them last. We we, we don't have to make them feel like they're going to last a lifetime. They don't have to fulfill all the longings in our hearts. So we can be thankful. We can be so thankful. But, But we know the new is coming. But something's missing from this description. I wonder if you've noticed. It's a bit like the table set for a dinner with no food or, or, or a birthday party without the birthday girl. Because the key thing we're missing is the fact that God is present. Do you notice that, verse 3? And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. God is present. God is with his people. This is the centerpiece of it all. This is the pinnacle. And he's not going anywhere. And the the image of this is so extraordinarily intimate. In verse 3, what we've just read, 
that God, is, uh, God will be with them and they will be his people and he will be their God. That is a covenant phrase that has been running through Scripture. God binding himself to his people. We are his and he is ours. This is what marriage vows are a picture of. And then verse 4, the beginning of verse 4, is one of extraordinary tender compassion, isn't it? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. What a picture. The holy, holy, holy God wiping away our tears. And then verse 7. The one who conquers will have a heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. It's a picture of fatherly care, isn't it? The family of God will be adopted into his family, welcomed in, sons to to receive what was inherited, to receive what's promised. What is it? It's God himself, his fatherly embrace of us, to love and to be loved, a deep joy with him. The image there is like drinking when we're thirsty. Now, we we know God is with us now, don't we? This, This now is described as God with his people. We have the spirit of Christ with us now. We have his words. We come together in worship by by faith, joined with the worship of heaven. Yet, yet with with the lenses that with sin got rid of, with the former got rid of, this, the future is described when God is really with us. If this is glorious, and yet then, then it's going to be all the more. Right now we have a shadow, a taste, a glimpse of that future. God is present. And you notice how certain this is. God says, verse 6, it is done. It is so certain because, do you know, he's the beginning, the end, the Alpha and Omega. It's not unknown to him. None of it is out of his control. And it's, it's all done through Jesus. He, he's not really mentioned in this passage, is he? And yet, the, the truth of it all comes through him, just bubbles its way through it. Who's the new Eve to marry but the second Adam, Christ, who made her beautiful with his righteousness? How is sin and death and pain got rid of? Well, it's through Christ and his death and resurrection. The power of the new. How can we be called sons of God? Because we're united to the Son. He's done it all. It's all in him. And this shows us God wants to be present with us. He, he wants to be with us. Now, it's not because of how great we are, but because of his extraordinary love and glory. He's done all this in Christ to make make chapter 21 happen. You know, when we're there in glory, he's not going to be looking at his watch or kind of checking his phone begrudgingly like he wished he could be somewhere else. Oh, he wants to be with us. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that incredible? And so let's, let's make our present now be about him. That's what our future's going to be. As we, as we follow Christ, follow in his footsteps through, through hardships and joys, are you letting those experiences, your, your discipleship, your walk with Christ, are you letting that shape 
a deeper intimacy with God. A deeper intimacy with him because we can't wait to be with him in the future. You know, is, our, is his name on our lips in the weeping of the night? Is his name on our lips in the rejoicing of the day? But it also means we shouldn't expect a perfection now. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. We have a lack of time, a lack of energy, a lack of concentration. Some days it can feel like our times with God, we're being kind of reborn, it's sort of glorious, and, and other days it feels like we're drinking from an empty glass. That, that's okay, okay? The new is coming. It's not going to be perfection now. That's the same for us together at church, isn't it? We want our worship to be biblical, heartfelt, real, authentic. But we don't need to manufacture it. We don't need to somehow turn up the volume and try to keep upping the experience so it gets better and better. No, because we, we know there is a, a new, a new coming where God is present. We don't mistake the motel for the mansion. The old is passing away. The new is coming and God is present. It's like our, our present seed of existence bursting into bloom. Our dirty silver purified into glistening. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Amen.